the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Good afternoon, Northern California. Welcome. Just about five minutes after the hour, 5 p.m., as we welcome you to another edition of Lifeline. Keeping you company Monday through Friday at this time, as we typically do, addressing issues that impact your life, your world, and your Christian walk. This is a show I'm excited to have the opportunity to to share with you. We have the delight of joining us tonight in studio uh, to share her testimony, Deborah Anderson, who is the Vice President of Community Relations for the Bay Area Rescue Mission, a ministry that we've had a partnership with many, many years. And uh, Deborah, welcome to the program. Thank you, Craig. It's an honor. And uh, you brought a guest along with you tonight. I did. <laughs> On good behavior. On good behavior. My husband, John Anderson. John Anderson is with us tonight. Yeah. And, and before we get into your testimony, John is always welcome. Thank you, Craig. Great it's to have you with us. Great to be here. Uh, John, you called me. My goodness, this must have been maybe a month or so ago. I mm-hmm. think we'll be doing some programming along around uh, uh, Passover and so forth. Right. And you said, you know, have you ever thought of having Deborah on the program to share her testimony of how she came to accept Jesus as Messiah? And, of course, the answer came back, you know, for some reason that's always slipped by us. Right. It was a great opportunity. I, I thought... Uh as we were approaching Passover, Easter, and now right around the Pentecost uh, mm-hmm. time of the Jewish calendar, uh, what a wonderful opportunity for Deborah to share her life story on coming to faith in Messiah. We've heard yours in the past. Now we're delighted to hear Deborah's. And this is an interesting story, Deborah, I think, because number one, part of this illustrates, too, I think, for the benefit of all of our listeners tonight. Uh, the deep connection that we as Christians have with Judaism. And it's interesting because oftentimes it's presented as sort of this either-or, isn't it? I mean, uh, most Jewish people feel as if they're being approached with the idea that they're going to have to change religions, when in fact that's really the furthest thing from the truth, isn't it? No, you're right, Craig. It's it's the furthest from the truth because uh, Judaism has its fulfillment in Christianity, in Messiah, which every little Jewish child who studies the Torah is told will happen. And um, everyone who's in Christ has their roots in the Torah. Look at the overwhelming numbers. I've been working my way through the book of Acts here recently. Look at the overwhelming numbers of early believers that came from a Jewish background. That's right. And came to understand this person, we would know in, in, in the modern vernacular as, as Jesus, as the fulfillment of prophecy. This notion, as we've often talked about on the program, of uh, Christ is, is concealed 
in the Old Testament and revealed in the New Testament, but it is he of which, for example, Isaiah talks about. And I'd like to share this as an opening passage to kind of set the stage this afternoon for your testimony. Who has believed our report, reads Isaiah chapter 53, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And we hid it as if it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, and yet we did not esteem him stricken, spitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought up as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before shearers is dumb, so he opens not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare to him the generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people he was stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked, and with the rich in his death, because he had not had done no violence, neither was there any deceit in his mouth. And yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put forth him in grief, but thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed, and shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. One of the days when I wish I'd had my glasses with me. <laughs> it's a beautiful passage from Isaiah 53. And, you know, if we take that verse by verse, we can see so many of the characteristics of who the fulfillment of the promise of the coming of Messiah would be in Jesus Christ in that particular passage taken from Isaiah. And a book extremely important to people of Jewish faith, too. Exactly. Um, it's now revealed with the Dead Sea Scrolls that this um, passage um, exists word for word without flaw uh, from the Dead Sea Scrolls in our own versions. So it's uh, quite a remarkable testimony, although it's known that when the Jews read their Bible portions on a yearly basis through the Old Testament, they skip over this passage. Mm, really? Yes, it's interesting because at the end of the day, what we're really talking about is people of Jewish faith anticipating the coming of Messiah. Yes. We of Christian faith, or those of us that are completed Jews, anticipating the return, the second coming of Messiah. But it is in he in whom we see the promises in the Old Testament, even as example in the passage of Isaiah 53, the fulfillment of which takes place in the personhood of Jesus Christ. With that as sort of the, the setting of the stage, Deborah, we're going to take a brief time out, and then we're going to turn the microphone over to you. I want you to share with our listeners this afternoon your personal faith journey uh, of not abandoning your Judaism, but in fact coming to the completion of your Judaism Amen. by the realization, the acceptance that he who is prophesied in the Old Testament 
is he who which then is revealed in the New Testament as the person of Jesus Christ or Messiah. If you've just joined our conversation with us tonight is Deborah Anderson and guest. We are talking about her personal testimony. And in particular, I would encourage you, uh, if you have friends of the Jewish faith that you have been encouraging and have been sharing your faith with, and uh, you feel as if hearing the testimony of another Jewish person as to how they came to accept Jesus as Messiah would be of benefit. I want you to go to the phone right now and give them a call and say, tune in to AM 1100 KFAX or log on to KFAX.com and listen in for a very important word of testimony. We'll get to more of our conversation with Deborah Anderson as this edition of Lifeline continues here on KFAX. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, welcome back to the conversation here with our very special guest tonight in studio, John Anderson, who, of course, is the executive director of the Bay Area Rescue Mission, and his lovely wife, Deborah, who is the vice president of community relations on behalf of the Bay Area Rescue Mission. And in specific, we've asked uh, Deborah to join us tonight to share her personal testimony of coming to the acceptance of faith in uh, Jesus as Messiah. Walk us down some of the road here. I'm just going to kind of let you take over the microphone, Deborah. Uh, tell us a bit about what was going on and how did the Lord begin tugging at your heart uh, to begin exploring the claims of Christ? Craig, my story is not that unusual, but um, it is particular to me, and um, I'll be happy to share it. I was raised in a Jewish family in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. My parents were first-generation Americans. They were the... Uh, son and daughter of immigrant uh, Jews who came from my mother's family from the Ukraine, my uh, grandfather's family from uh, Poland and Romania. And uh, we had a strong, loving, big Jewish family there in Pittsburgh, uh, cousins and aunts and uncles. And uh, I grew up in a very warm, embracing community, and I embraced my Judaism Part of embracing that Judaism meant at an early age that we knew we were to believe in Judaism and we were to stay far away from anything that had a tinge of Christianity to it. You would consider yourselves then to be practicing? Yes, we were practicing Jews. We were um, of the branch of the conservative Jews, although my grandparents were Orthodox Jews. And um, as... Time went on, and I became a teenager. Um, I had um, a bit of an upset in in my teenage years. My parents divorced my late teen years, and it kind of threw me for a loop. I felt that the rug had been pulled out from under me. Foundation had been shaken. It had, mm-hmm. and I wondered what was uh, lasting. I actually started a search on my own to have a deeper relationship with God, I sought a personal relationship through the only means I knew possible, and that was through Judaism. Um, I came to a dead end, actually finding out that I had no deliverance for my own sin. But that was where I stopped and kind of left off in my age 19 or so and said, I guess I can't have a relationship with God. Well, I kind of put a bookmark there and spent the next um, 20 years almost um, having a rather downhill lifestyle. Um, I actually was a musician, 
and I sought um, a career in music, uh, basically through jazz. Um, we have to I, say she plays a mean violin. <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe in past life. Um, I married very young. I married a jazz musician. Um, we played the, uh, what you call the local circuit mm-hmm. in New York City for several years, and I attended school there for a while. And then uh, it became rather difficult there in the 80s, uh, late 70s, to make things work as a as a starving artist in New York City. So we moved out to the West Coast where my family had migrated and my um, ex-husband's family had lived. And we sought to do uh, what we'd done in New York City in the San Francisco area. Um, at that time, um, I had two baby boys and music went on the back burner. And I started to recognize that I'd never satisfied that yearning for God. You kind of and, put that bookmark in there at 19 and... Yeah. Now suddenly you fast forward and yeah. you're a parent. Right. So actually, I, I guess um, here at, at, at 27, uh, our son Ben was born, and then at 29, our son Charles. And um, I started to have a rekindling of my desire for faith because becoming a mother, birth was just so miraculous to me. And it harkened back to my early faith as a, as a child. Um, my marriage fell apart, and I became a single mom. Um, and in 1988, um, I'd been a single mom for five years, and I couldn't explain what was going on in my life, Craig, but as much as I was making things better for myself and my two little boys, I was going to school and working two jobs, and they were active in school and sports, and and uh, we were just doing very well. It was interesting because the better we did the worse things got. I can only explain that truly the scripture that says my righteousness was as filthy rags, Mm. the works that I were doing were not bringing me closer to God. They weren't fulfilling. And I knew something was terribly wrong. There was a burning question in my heart that nothing material or social or present tense was solving. No peace, no satisfaction. That's right. And I had this sense of doom that I couldn't explain. I I wasn't depressed. I wasn't sad. But I had a sense that something was terribly wrong. foreboding kind of feeling. Yes. Mm -hmm. I can only sense that I had a sense of there being an eternal uh, dark hole ahead of me. And it had to be from the Lord. I sought um, to get back involved with the synagogue in a local synagogue, very nice congregation. And I found that one thing that brought me solace, two things actually, one was to listen to the cantor singing and asking him to interpret for me because I had dropped out of Hebrew school in fifth grade, what he was singing, and um, also to watch Reverend Schuler's Hour of Power. <laughs> it's an, an interesting combination. It, it was. At the bottom of his screen, although I was loath to have anything to do with Christianity, I would see that he would have this ticker tape thing going around, and it was actually um, a scripture of the week. And I would tune in every Sunday just to see that scripture, and the same thing would happen that would happen to me at um, the congregation. I asked the cantor, we called him the chazan, um, to interpret for me what he was singing, and he would 
quote poetry to me. And I said, oh, is that lovely poetry? I came to find out later that he was singing the Psalms. Mm -hmm. So I, I didn't realize, but it was the word of God that was drawing me to himself and providing the solace I needed. Also, um, that scripture, one in particular was um, that it was about Jesus saying that he was the living water and that anyone who would come to him would never thirst, but out of his inner being would come rivers of living water. And it bugged me, to be honest, because I thought, no, the law of physics of entropy says that everything dries out. <laughs> How could it be possible that something would spring forth anew again and again? And it stayed with me. Um, fast forward that um, a friend of mine uh, passed away, and I went to pay my respects to her widower. By this time, I had purchased a Bible. I tried to buy one with only the Old Testament, but the lady in the very nice Christian bookstore told me, that's the way they come, honey. They come <laughs> attached. So reluctantly, I bought uh, an Old and New Testament, and I started reading at the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And I said, that's Bereshit in Hebrew. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I said, I forgot that. When I was a little girl, God is creator. Then I went to high holiday services, and we pray a, every year a, an annual confession at Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Father, forgive us for the sins which we have sinned. And I said, I forgot God was creator, and I forgot I was a sinner who needed God's forgiveness. I felt great. I knew I had my creator back. I felt I was forgiven. I felt clean. And then when my friend passed away, I said, oops, I'm missing something. I went to pay respects to her widower, who I didn't know, but I knew was Jewish. And of all things, he's got a New Testament on his mantelpiece. And I said to him, tell me, what are you doing with one of those? I know I've got one and why, and why but you shouldn't have one, neither should I, but <laughs> why do you have what I have? <laughs> and he said, oh, you want that story? And he gave me his testimony. And I said, is it true that we're allowed to have Messiah? as Jews? And he said, apparently we are. And I said, how can I find out more about this? Apparently, he was so new to his faith, he didn't even really know how to direct me to scripture. But he said, I, I will take you to a church that's recommended by Jews for Jesus, which um, he had become familiar with. And it's right out here in Hercules. It's called Valley Bible Church. The first day I walked into Valley Oive, let me tell you, it was horrifying. I was so petrified that I was walking into a church, my first time ever, and uh, literally my knees shaking, and I thought, what would my grandparents say? Mm -hmm. But I walked in because I had burning questions and I needed answers, and my Jewish friends didn't read the Bible and didn't have answers for me, and I knew that the Bible was the only place I was finding answers but I needed direction. I needed help. I needed understanding. And um, the first day I came to Valley was Easter in 1999. Well, some would say that's by accident or by coincidence. I would rather suggest that is very much designed by God that you would come on Resurrection Sunday. They were depicting Christ's last days on earth and I saw one of our um, church members portraying Christ on the cross 
And I got the gospel for the very first time. And I recognized it and I said, oh, that's what they believe about their God and their Messiah. Again, putting this big wedge between us and them, mm-hmm. us Jews who can't have him and those, them, the Christians who do have him. It's their God. We're going to pause at this point. If you've just joined us, Deborah Anderson is with us tonight in studio sharing her testimony. If you have Jewish friends that you think need to hear this, let me encourage you to go to the phone right now and urge them to dial up KFAX AM 1100 or uh, check us out online. They can stream us anywhere in the world at KFAX.com. Later on this evening, we'll give you instructions as to where you can get a copy of the podcast of today's broadcast. We'll take a brief time out. Pastor Phil Howard will join us around the corner as our conversation with Deborah Anderson continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, back to the conversation. We continue on with us tonight in studio is Deborah Anderson. She, of course, the Vice President of Community Relations with the Bay Area Rescue Mission. And Deborah has been gracious enough to come on in tonight and share her personal testimony of what it means to become a completed Jew. That might be a new phrase for you. After you had gone to Valley Bible for the first time on Resurrection Sunday of all days exposed to the preaching and teaching of the Word and the atmosphere there in the church, and then you signed up for this membership class because you were looking to go deeper for more answers. And then you took us to that final day, classes wrapping up, and you still hadn't quite gotten the answer when you approached Pastor Howard and he opened up Isaiah 53. And Phil Howard, we're going to let you pick up the part of the story from there. Pastor Phil Howard, Senior Pastor of Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Phil, how are you? Phil, pick up the story, if you would, um, that morning when when Deborah approached you following uh, class that day, new membership class, and you began sharing from the book of Isaiah. Yeah, we were having a membership class, and uh, as Deborah probably shared, she was being uh, a gracious uh, friend to a widower, you know, and accompanies him to the class. Her interest wasn't really in it. It was for this dear friend, Dennis, and his children. And so she's in the class and comes up, and we, I knew... Dennis better than I did uh, Deborah, but then uh, I just opened up Isaiah. Probably the more people and probably more Jewish people have come to Christ maybe over Isaiah 53 than any other passage when they see a suffering Messiah and uh, shared it with her. And uh, I think just the astonishment in her that hey, this is in the part of the Bible I grew up with. This is our prophet. Uh, It's just like uh, she was ripe, and the lights began to come on, and uh, the rest is history. God truly saved this uh, precious woman and turned her into a servant and went ahead and raised her two sons to fear the Lord. Uh, It's just been a miracle story of how he changed a single woman with single parent with these two boys and how God got her through and turned over joy in her heart. Pastor Phil, um, I remember in particular that you were um, reading through that passage and I was continually interrupting you. 
uh, because I couldn't put, I was, I was starting to put two and two together and you continued to read and I said, um, he, he's from the Old Testament. He's a prophet. He's a prophet from way before Jesus was born. I mean, hundreds of years, right? And I remember you kept nodding, you kept reading, and I could see his crucifixion as you read it right in front of me. And I said, how can the Jewish prophet talk about the Messiah and it be portrayed as the Savior in the Christian community? And finally, the two converged and I realized that he was one and the same. And I remember turning to you, Pastor, and saying, first I said, oh my God, but as literally saying, oh my God, and you <laughs> nodded, and then I said, you mean, Pastor, you worship my God, and you turned to me, and, and as Pastor Phil says, Craig, whenever somebody gets it, he says, you got it, <laughs> and that was it. He, he, I remember, Pastor, you telling me that's when the Lord chose to remove the scales from my eyes, and I could see. It was as dramatic as the veil being rent on the day of Christ's resurrection or death. Uh, the veil of your eyes was rent, and God used uh, a Jewish prophet named Isaiah to do it. I just get, I just got to read the prophet, and God did the rest. I'm so grateful. I went home, uh, Craig, and I called every member of my family, and I read Isaiah 53 to them because I had my Bible. And uh, when I did, I didn't understand why they didn't see what I saw. I said, "Wait, this is our, this is our Messiah. This is our God. I'm talking about the Christians claim him, but he's ours. You know, the non-Jews claim him. But listen, and then I said." Now listen again. <laughs> I would read it. A th- now listen one more time. Really listen. <laughs> really pay attention. This is really such great news. And he's been kept from us. We didn't know. This has been kept from our own people. And um, I didn't understand why I wasn't getting the response from my loved ones that I had as Pastor had read it to me. You know, Phil, the amazing thing about this particular passage of Scripture uh, it, it really is a sense of the identity of Jesus Christ hidden in plain sight, isn't it? Plain sight. Something very interesting. Uh, I was working with Jesus back in Manhattan, Brooklyn. One of the street uh, evangelists there said, Owen. Phil, come a little closer to the phone, would you? We're having a little difficult time hearing you. Uh, I, I, Oded Cohen, a, a, a native-born Jewish man from Israel, uh, fluent in Hebrew, would often engage rabbis uh, in the Brooklyn area. And he told me, it was interesting, that they seldom, the ones that he talked to, I'm taking his word for it, would ever discuss the prophets, and they sure did not discuss Isaiah. They always went to Torah the first five books of Moses, and here, just blind to what the prophet said, in Luke 24, he said, Jesus began to show from the law, the prophets, and the Psalms, everything that spoke of him, of which the men on the Emmaus Road were blind to. And all of a sudden, he begins, and 
That's exactly what the Spirit of God and Deborah's life and thousands, and I believe today what's going on, maybe millions of Jewish people are reading their prophets and finding out, hey, uh, the Gentiles came in by way of a Jewish Messiah, but we worship the same God. It was amazing about that, Phil. Deborah had mentioned before you came on the air the fact, that very same issue, that certain major prophets in whom we see very distinctively uh, the foretelling of Jesus Christ, uh, kind of hidden. I mean, this is this is intentionally kind of skipping over those passages. Least be, I guess, left with the quandary of, wait a minute, as you read that passage, like Isaiah, there are so many characters that point to who we see Jesus is as Messiah revealed in the New Testament. Rabbi, explain this, and of course, for which they have no answer. Have no have no answer, and and Jesus said, you study the scriptures. He said that while he was in Jerusalem, and uh, because you think by studying them, you'll get eternal life, and yet eternal life is standing in front of you. They speak of me. <laughs> and we, it's amazing. You could be a Bible scholar and totally miss Christ. It doesn't seem possible, but we know it is. We're going to pause on that point. Phil, can you stay with us for another minute? Yes, sir. Phil Howard is with us today, senior pastor of Valley Bible in Hercules, and of course with us in studio sharing her testimony is Deborah Anderson. We'll come back to more of our dialogue as this edition of Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, welcome back to our conversation. Deborah Anderson is with us tonight in studio. She is sharing her testimony. We also have on the line Pastor Philip Howard. Phil is from Valley Bible in Hercules. And, uh, you know, the amazing thing, Phil, as we pick up where the story left off just before the break, this notion of you beginning to read that morning in a new membership class um, from Isaiah 53, and it, and it dawning on Deborah as you read, well, why are you reading the Easter story again? And then to suddenly realize when she came up and looked over your shoulder and saw you were reading from Isaiah, this bigger question, how did your Easter story wind up in my end of the Bible? <laughs> she was blown away. She said, he's, he's reading from my side. <laughs> That's what she said. You're from my side of the Bible. Exactly. Deborah, you mentioned that after Phil had largely ignoring you and your interjections and just him staying on point and reading line by line, verse by verse, the story from Isaiah 53, uh, this Easter story, as you say, from, uh, coincidentally, your side of the Bible, your most fundamental burning question had been answered. There must have been a then what, or now what's next question that followed that? Because I was so longing to embrace my God, I found him. I was ecstatic. Uh, I need to uh, 
insert right here that as I called my family, they told me, Deb, Deb, uh, don't talk to us. Call Cousin Stu in Boston, my cousin Stuart Flom. I called Stu and I said, hi, Stu, this is Deb. You, this is the 10th call I've made. And I just want you to listen while I read this passage. Please don't interrupt. And if I need to, I'll read it again. And I read and he said, Deb, Deb. And I said, oh, please do let me finish just this once. Can I finish this this passage and read it to you? It's so important to the Jewish people. And he said, Deb, Deb, you you've put your faith in Messiah. I said, yes, that's exactly right, Stu. Now listen. He said, no, Deb, Deb, I've been praying for 12 years. He said, and you're the first one besides me to come to faith in Christ. And I said, Stu. He said, yeah, I've been praying for 12 years. The first one. I said, what? You're disappointed? You want to throw me back and have somebody else saved? And so we've been rejoicing uh, these 23 years in, in our knowing our Savior. We have the sandwich prayer for our family, he and his wife and two girls, and our my husband, John, and I, and our two boys. We, we pray for the whole family in between both coasts. But um, yes, getting back to your question, when my burning question of what does the Old Testament have to do with the New Testament, and it was Messiah himself, that it's all pivotal on him, my next burning question was sort of this nondescript now what lord if you're mine and i'm yours now what do i do because everything i've been seeking after is literally wood hay and stubble what now do i do and um there i went right in isaiah again just a few chapters later i guess i couldn't get away from isaiah um chapter uh 58 and verse 10, if if you give yourself to the hungry and satisfy the desire of, of the afflicted, then your light will rise in darkness and your gloom will become as midday. And the Lord will continually guide you and satisfy your desire in scorched places and give strength to your bones. And you'll be like a well-watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. There was that spring of water mm-hmm. again that didn't fail. That uh, living water. Water of which you drink and you'll never thirst. I'll never again. thirst. And I thought, wow, Lord, I, I don't know where that is, but everything I'd held on to, searching after money or recognition or fame or popularity, just seemed to become like sawdust in, in my mouth. And I, I really longed for something that would be uh, lasting and impactful. And I heard through my friend Donna Tange, the Secretariat Valley Bible, that at the mission, they were um, looking for some people. They were trying to hire someone who could potentially be a help in the administration. And I said, I bet you there, this mouth of mine that won't shut now that I've found Jesus and all I do is talk about him. I, I bet it wouldn't come against me. You know, it wouldn't be held against me. Now, I'm going to make you pause there because I know Phil has to run. Uh, Phil, before we wrap up our time together, uh, Deborah's reaction in you reading that passage from Isaiah 53, do you find that fairly common, meaning that for many Jewish people, when they are exposed to the the prophecy, Jesus concealed in the Old Testament and revealed in the two, that, that quite often the with the help of the Holy Spirit, the scales of their eyes and understanding do come off? Well, I, I wouldn't make it simplistic, uh, Craig. Uh, obviously, God had been uh, this regeneration when Jesus said it's like the wind that blows. You can't chart uh, the effects always, but obviously the Spirit of God was there. But I think what uh, I have been shocked at is that and even Jewish people know it. 
the evangelical community either make them uh, super people or they almost adore Jewishness uh, to the extent that we don't even uh, evangelize them or tell them the good news, uh, or uh, there is a disdain uh, that should not be there. These so many Jewish people are, are not, they don't know the Lord. Uh, they may go to synagogue. Many of them are into Eastern religions, New Age, and then I think we've got to know they're lost. They've, they've gone far from the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They're not ca- carrying around an Old Testament that they look at. They're being swept away because the emptiness of all these years of Messiah being pushed away, it's left the people staggering through a foggy night, as it were. And we need to be kind. Uh, we need to be non-racist. And we've got to tell them, your soul is important. I'm going to pray. I'm going to love. I'm going to be good to you. No matter if you accept it, I'm going to love you. I'm not going to be anti-Semitic, but uh, this gospel is yours. It's your birthright. And and we just got to, because I meet many Jewish people, they're not connected with either part of the Bible, Old Testament or New. They're connected with Eastern religion. So there are people that desperately need our love and evangelistic uh, you know, to reach out to them. Don't be afraid of them. Be kind to them. And the good news, as you point out, I mean, there there is power in God's Word, and there are so many passages who so clearly, not even having to open up the New Testament, per se, the Old Testament, that so clearly point to Messiah, that by loving them and sharing your faith and being kind and bold at the same token, uh, God can use all of us in, in reaching His chosen people. And in, in, in basically revealing the good news that Messiah is not someone that we're looking to come, but in fact looking to return. I think it's like, Greg, once we take our, our fingers out of our ears, mm-hmm. you hear him in every book of the Bible. It's all about Jesus. and But you don't know that until the ears have been opened and the eyes open. And you say, how could I have been so prejudiced? against the theme it's about it's not about killing animals it's not about killing doves it's not about sabbath rules it's about the god that would come looking for us after we rebelled against him in the garden amen and and it's all wrapped up in jesus jehovah our savior and would care so much that he would be bruised for our iniquities crushed and punished and wounded um, oppressed, afflicted like a lamb to the slaughter, as we see there in that passage. And yet he did so that all of us, through his substitutionary work on the cross, might be reconciled with him. And here's the great part, and walk in fellowship with the very God and creator of the universe. And and, and Deborah, I guess the, the, the completion of this story, in a sense, and we're, we're far from done, but you talked earlier about that longing when you were yes. 18, 19 years old of right. wanting to have a personal relationship with God, who for so many of us seems to be so far off. Right. And now all of a sudden you find out that you don't have to reach up to him, but yet that God came down in the person of Jesus. It was a shock to every nerve in my body to find this out. 
And Craig, I think, again, I just want to reiterate what Pastor Phil just said. The Jewish people are so longing and so empty, and that's why they've gone after, in the darkness, stumbled and sought after things Eastern and bizarre and pagan religions. Uh, they long for the truth, but like he said, they're, their eyes, they're covering their eyes with their own hands. Mm-hmm. So no wonder they're stumbling. It's as simple as any one of us who has a friendship with a Jewish person turning to them. If we have scripture in our hearts and, and, you know, in our hands, just saying, can I tell you why I love your Jewish God? Absolutely. And, and then sharing with and, them from their heart and in the, in the word. And that one passage And how can they hear, though, unless there be a preacher? Yes. And there comes our job to lovingly share uh, Messiah revealed uh, in the person of Jesus Christ. Phil, we appreciate so much your time. Brother, I know you need to run, but thanks so much for calling in and being with us tonight on the program. But just know that Deborah has become like a daughter to me. (laughs) And, you know, I have to say something, Craig, that was moving to me. Uh, as we've worshiped together many times, uh, some services would be so wonderful. And uh, Deborah, caring for people, would say, I wish my people just sang that song. Uh, I wish my kinfolks could sing this and we together could adore the same Christ. Amen. And here I'm in a room full of uh, uh Gentiles who were a thousand miles from God 2,000 years ago. And why are they at the table of the Messiah? And my own people are still away. And it's often moved my heart to hear her say, Oh, I wish they could sing this song with us. It's always moving, Deborah, to hear you say that. Mm, thank you, Pastor. And you know that the day will come when every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he Amen, is amen. Pastor Phil Howard, Senior Pastor, Valley Bible in Hercules. Phil, thanks so much for being with us tonight. Thank you. Take care, brother. Good to hear from you. Thank you, Pastor. We'll take a brief time out. We'll come back to more of the story. Now, there's there's an amazing part two of this that we'll share with you as our conversation with Deborah Anderson continues here on this edition of Lifeline. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com. <laughs> 